Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. After they say that, the Lord says, and these words, right there, after they say this, the Lord your God is one, I shall love the Lord your God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart, watch this, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your home. That means the central creed of the Jewish belief system, they believed in generational transfer. They believed in generational transfer of the word. Every single day when they would get at home, they were commanded to repeat and memorize, I shall love the Lord your God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yes, it's a religious duty, but you know what that means? They kept their faith throughout the centuries because they believed in the family culture of teaching the word of God to families. And they talked about it in their home. That's a whole other topic. But do you talk about the word in the home? Or do you just talk about, are you so busy that you only talk about things of God here at church? Yes, our, our kids have different personalities, but you have a culture. Though my kids are older, you could tell them, I will not allow certain things in my house. Because I'm setting a culture for the house. We talk about things of the Lord. Some of them don't like it when I say, how's your walk with God doing? But I'd rather have them say that than nothing at all. Amen to that. They don't only memorize it, but they repeat it, okay? And so we also discussed last week, this is all review, the great promise of God. Listen, the great promise of God in Malachi 4 is the Father's heart for restoration of families. Let me pause and say this because I didn't say this last week. When we have a revelation of the Father heart of God, the Father heart of God, it will make it easier to see our family members like Jesus sees us because how the great love that Jesus has for his father and the father has for Jesus. And the promise is that in the last days there will be a prophetic movement that will restore the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children back to their fathers. I'm going to say this boldly. It's going to happen. Be encouraged. It's a promise in the scripture that in these last days the spirit of Elijah will come. In other words, prophetic preaching will turn hearts of the fathers back to the children. And there's going to be massive wave of family restoration. Those who are far off are going to come near. Woo. And then I, I, it's worth quoting again from last week. You remember the quote I said last week about some secular sociologists that they were doing a study in the American family and they came to the sobering conclusion. They said the number one threat of America in America is not all the agendas that are out there. The number one threat to America is the disintegration of the family. And the biblical role that we're supposed to walk in in families. I see my brother Jay, my friend Jay back there, and just came upon me years ago when we were together. I mean, I'm sure he still does it to a degree, but he would, he would every week have these family altars. Do you remember that? I remember that. That kind of convicted me because we, were, we, would, we would have family altars. Every week we would come and pray. Every week we would come and, 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 and you don't disturb that. It was years ago, hey, let's do it. No, no, I'm, I'm, having a, I'm having a family altar today. See, I think that's the number one thing we need to get back into. We need to start having family altars of prayer together, not just over the food. Intentional prayer. I always pray for my kids publicly and privately. And I pray for this future spouse too, so you better watch out. In Jesus' name. I ain't going to just approve anybody. Let me just keep going because I don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> we also talked about this real quick. All of us, say me. Because the Holy Spirit's in you, all of us have the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have the ministry. Not just pastors, not just leaders. All, according to Corinthians, we have the spirit of reconciliation. And I told you that the, one of the root words of reconciliation is atonement. Making things right. Healing offense and broken, fractured relationships. That's what atonement means. So when you have the uh, ministry of reconciliation, that means you have the ability to reconcile things that are, that are uh, broken. And of course, lastly, before I get to today's uh, meat, is... Uh, we talked about some causes for fractured causes. So the causes are divorce for a fractured relationship. 
Divorce and separation does not only hurt you, it hurts grown-ups. It hurts children, and it tears apart a covenant that God made. Now, there's grace and forgiveness for those who've suffered from a divorce, but I'm going to tell you, some of the causes for fractured relationships is when we're so flippant about what God calls a covenant. What God has joined together that no man separate. Secondly, the, secondly, the, co- the second cause for fractured relationship is undealt with sin. And I'm just going to do that quickly. Undealt with sin. If there's some private addictions in our life, it's going to affect how you view your family. It's going to affect how you view your wife. It's going to affect how you uh, treat your father and your, and your mother. It's gonna fa- if, you have, if you have undealt with sin in your life, it will bring a fracture to, to, your, to your home. Thirdly, we talked about uh, a cause of neglect. The, one of the causes of fractured relationship in family is neglect. And I'm going to talk about that more in a couple of weeks. But when we are not taking our role as a family member, whether it's a child, whether there's a parent, whether there's a, a son or daughter, you could, you could be in the house and not be in the house. You could be in the house and be so busy uh, on whatever thing and, and never interact with family. Now, I understand there's certain personality types that cater to being more alone, but that should not be an excuse for us to neglect. So a neglect, neglect, how many have felt neglect in your life from a family member? How does that make you feel? It, ge- it makes you have that orphan spirit that you're craving attention and affirmation. So that is a, a cause for a break. And the last th- thing that we, co- that we talked about was the spirit of offense. Don't let me talk about that because I could go all, all morning on that. But the enemy lately, if I could just be transparent, as your pastor, I see a lot of offenses among you. Among you. I'm not talking about in general. Among our congregation. Say, I'm hearing these stories of offense. They're offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. Stop being offended. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to articulate this thing right. Uh, if you're offended, it's because you are hurt in some sort of way. But it does camouflage the real thing that's happening in your heart. So, so offense is actually a, a um, I looked it up years ago, and I'm not going to get into this because I want to get into the word. It's actually uh, a booby trap. It's called scandalon. So scandalon in the Greek means a hidden trap. That means you don't see it. So a hidden trap, scandalon, when, G- when Jesus said many will be offended at each other and betray one another and hate one another. Pause. Who is he talking to in Matthew 24? The church. He's not talking to the world. He says many Christians will be offended at each other. You want to know a sign of the last days? When you start bickering with each other and you start being unforgiving to each other and you refuse to forgive that person. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to transcend this message to two major parts this morning. Now I'm going to get to the, to, the, to the part two part, which is this. This today I'm going to talk to you about the symptoms or signs of a wounded or fractured or broken relationship in family, right? Signs. We talked about causes last week, but I'm going to talk to you about signs. Why do I talk about signs? Because if you don't pick up on the signs on the early time, it could lead to some nasty, hurtful things. Some of you have talked to me and said, Pastor George, I could tell when you're hurting. It's a sign. I go, how do you know? Because the way you walk, you're like this sometimes. Right? And I go, yeah. Yeah, when I go like that, I'm severely hurting. But I don't say anything, but you, you could pick up signs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you, it's important for you to pick up signs when your son, your daughter, your spouse, or you are doing something to fracture people or you getting fractured. So you have to pick up the signs. And then number two, this is, this is me right here. I'm going to give you what I call the two or three golden rules to restore broken, fractured family relationships. Now, this transcends into any relationship, by the way. I'm talking about families this morning and this series, but this, this principle that I'm talking to you today and even throughout this series could be applied to a coworker, could be applied to a boss, could be applied to your parents, could be applied to your pastors or leaders. If there's any broken or fractured relationship in the family, there's going to be symptoms that I'm going to share with you, signs Right? And then the golden rule. How many wants to know the golden biblical rule? Like the top two things we got to do to restore a broken relationship with families. Come on. I'm going to give it to you, and we're going to see God do the work. Here it goes. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians 13. 
verse verse 11 through 14. And I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. How many like the Passion Translation? How many awake this morning? Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 through 14 in the Passion Translation. Chris, next time I'm going to have you read some scriptures. Look at what it says in the Passion. Are you ready? The Passion really is a great verse because it, it brings some verses alive. And I want you to follow with me because this is going to be deep. Finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Are you ready for this? Repair whatever is broken among you. Repair. Whatever is broken among you, as your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity, live continually in peace, and God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. Greet and embrace one another with a holy kiss or sacred kiss. See, that's where Hispanics are in the Bible right there. That's proof Hispanics are in the Bible. God bless you. That's a holy kiss. That's what we do all the time. Thank you, Lord. Hispanics are in the Bible. All, All of God's holy people... Send their greetings. Now watch this. Now may the grace and joyous favor of the Lord Jesus Christ, the unambiguous love of God, and the precious communion of the Holy Spirit be with you continually. Amen. I don't have time to unpack all this scripture because it will take me two hours. Because that last portion of it is worth a whole sermon. We need, to, in order to restore relationships properly, we need uh, the grace of God. We need the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit to heal broken relationships, but I'm not going to go and break that all down. But here's some of the symptoms. If you could put that first slide up there. Here's some of the signs. Everybody say signs. Do you know that you could be living with somebody and not see the signs that they're hurting? I want to alert you today to start waking up. Start looking at signs of people in your household or in your extended family that I'm going to talk about, and I didn't read them in a book. It's just something that I've gathered through years of information, years of study, and, of course, uh, talking to other people uh, uh, about this. That, this is not, I'm not limiting all the signs to this, but I'm going to start off by sharing some of the signs. Why? Because the first scripture I just read is said, repair what is broken. Everybody say, it's my job to repair what is broken as long as it involves me. And that's a good word right there because you don't have to solve every problem. You don't have to mend every broken relationship. But I'm going to tell you in just a couple minutes because there's a scripture I'm going to give you that proves it. That the Bible says as, long, as much as it, it deals with you, you have to pursue that re- restoration. But if you know that you know that it's something is involving you, maybe directly or indirectly, you still have the responsibility to be, watch this, hear me now, proactive. If you hear nothing about this sermon today, hear this one word. Restoration will not happen by itself. It has to be intentional, and you have to pursue it. You have to pursue it. The Bible says in Hebrews, it's not in my notes, it says, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. That word pursue means run after it. That's what it means in the Greek. Run after. Don't let offense silence you. Can I, you give me permission to be open with you? If I had $100 for everybody who left the church because they were offended and they never talked to me, they never once talked to me, they never once talked to, about, to, to our leadership, I would have hundreds of dollars. Hundreds. Well, they didn't say hi to me. Well, she didn't do this to me. No one called me. I don't like how they spoke. I'm going to give you the golden rule today of how to end all this mess because the Bible actually contradicts that thinking, what I just said. I'm going to give you the golden rule, all right? So here's the first sign. When one or more members of your family are more guarded and distant than usual. Here's a sign that there would be a broken or fractured relationship in your family, in your marriage, with your children, even adult children. When there's more, uh, more of a guarded and distant than, than usual. I, again, I'm not talking about people that have to be extroverts. No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that uh, they'll begin to slowly distance themselves from the very people they used to be close to. That is a sign that there's a fracture somewhere that you may not know. There's a word that you may have said that hurt them. There may have been a neglect that, that you did that wounded them. There may be an unexpected expectation that you did that hurt them and offended, and they're guarded now. When you see a more guarded individual, 
uh, and, they, and they don't even ac- accept genuine affirmation anymore. What, what is genuine affirmation? When you're like, you know, you're doing a good job, and they don't even accept it anymore. That's a sign of something is broken. If in your marriage you compliment each other or you try to compliment someone and they don't receive that compliment, you got to ask why they're not receiving it. Now, sometimes they need healing, obviously, but you need to ask yourself, why are they guarded because that's a sign that there's a fracture. Remember what I talked about last week. It take a, a relationship is wounded first before a relationship is broken. Because of the love, deep love that family has, it takes a lot of hits for us to actually break. But you can still function with a fracture. You just keep limping and limping. But deep down inside, that crack is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And if it doesn't get paid attention to, there will be a clean break of that bone. So the sign of a fracture is sometimes a guarded, a guarded more than usual uh, defense um, relationship on it. They no longer are receptive to affirmation from you, and they will begin to slowly distance themselves from the very people that they used to be close to. By the way, this is also true with spiritual family. When I see people that used to be close and they become distanced, I'm just going to give you a clue. An alarm starts coming off. Oh, you're just judging. See, leadership can never do anything right in people's eyes. If we call them because we don't see them at church, then, oh, they're, they're judging me. They're judging me. If we don't call them, they don't love me. We can never do anything right. When somebody that used to be close to me becomes distant, doesn't call me that much, doesn't show up that much, I'm sorry to tell you something is off. And I'd rather reach out to them and they say, than not reach out at all. And so you need to do that with your, your family because here's what we do in our family. When somebody is distant, we're like, then be distant. No, no, no. You have to find the root why they're distant because they're hurting. And sometimes it's not maybe you that did it, but sometimes they're looking to you to help them through that. If they're, listen, I'm going to be a challenge before I go to point number two. Don't be okay with a distant, guarded family dynamic. That's not how God created us to be. I'm telling you, God created us to be close. Not perfect, but close. That's why God looked at Adam and he goes, it's not good for, not good, not good, not good for man to be alone. Marriage is a symbolic uh, symbolism of the unity of the church. Amen? The second sign of a fractured relationship in the home or in the family and, or elsewhere, but we're talking about family, is selfish and defensive communication. Selfish and defensive communication. Don't elbow your next door neighbor, okay? What happens with a fracture, a slow fracture that some people don't see it coming, it could be months of things that we do and things that we say that is slowly building a fracture, and the other person is just taking it in. They may not respond right away. And what happens is the communication becomes very sarcastic. Uh, It becomes very defensive and argumentative and becomes selfish. If you find yourself very argumentative with your children, very argumentative and sarcastic and selfish and defensive with your past or anything, there's a fracture there. You just got to admit that there's a fracture. (laughs) I tell people all the time, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, man. I'm fine. I'm cool. No, you're not. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. You're not used to seeing me like that. You're not used to looking at me like that. You're just judging me, man. I'm good. I'm sorry. It's not good. There's signs that we need to pay attention to, and some of those signs that we need to pop that pride bubble. To think, to think that there's no fracture. We have to humble ourselves, which I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll get to that because that's the, that's the appetizer to the golden rule is, that, is the law of, of honor and humility. But I'm going to say that really quickly. The third thing, because I want to be quick, I want to get to the meat of this. The third um, symptom or sign of a fractured relationship is barely agreeing on things anymore in a particular family member. Now, I understand we're not supposed to agree on everything. But when we find ourselves barely agreeing with, it, with our family members, you know what's happening? That there's a sign of a fact, fracture because when we don't agree, it, it transcends to fault finding. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. When you start fault finding your spouse, fault finding your, your kids, fault finding more and more, that means you in some sort of way are hurt by them and you have not 
sought to heal the problem. You sought to fight, fault find the problem. We're not called to heal relationships through fault finding. We're not called to heal relationships in our family by always pointing out the wrong that the other person does. Hello? One of the first definitions of love in the Bible is patient. Love is patient. It doesn't have patient. Love is, the first definition is patient. And you know what the Bible continues to say in 1 Corinthians 13? It has no record of wrong. I remember what you did. That's why I'm, I'm neglecting you for two weeks. You haven't apologized. See, here's a sign. When you're waiting for someone to apologize to you, you've got it all wrong. That is not the golden rule for restoration. They may have hurt you, but if you're not quick to forgive, you're in the same boat that they are in. You're in the same boat that they are in, and you're causing more trouble. Love does not keep a record of wrong. doesn't mean you let them stomp all over you. But it does mean you have to resolve things quickly before it escalates into a break. You may be experiencing a fracture right now, but save it before it becomes a break. And then fourthly, and this is, um, this is just the, the beginning, resistance, another sign, fourth sign, to pure and natural affection. In some relationships in the family, when a spouse, a son or daughter, a cousin, whatever, an aunt, with a wounded soul, often resists affection. Ladies, if I could talk to you for a second. Sometimes when, especially ladies, because men sometimes have the tendency to just kind of forgive and forget real quickly. Come on, it's over. But, you know, the ladies, they want some time to marinate on that thing. <laughs> you know, like there's an argument, right? There's an argument, and then we're like, okay, I'm, I, I'm wrong. And, and they're like, no, I want you to feel this thing a little bit. I want to marinate on that. And, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> and then... And then when there's that uh, attempt to have an affection after the sorry, after the apology, you know, some of the ladies are like, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for that. Now, some sons and daughters do the same thing. Some family members do the same thing. If they used to be affectionate with you and they resist your affection, there's a fracture. You may not know it. Do you know that over 50% of the time when someone is offended at me, I never knew that they were offended at me. I never knew what I did. People offended at me because I speak too harshly or I speak too softly. Or I speak, I, like literally, I, people are offended. Hey, I want to have lunch with you. I'm like, oh, here it goes, here it goes. Yeah. But a spouse or daughter or cousin, we should be alerted. Everybody say alerted. If we see these signs, they're warning signs that if things get rapidly worse, if we don't do something about it, say amen. Now, here's when I'm going to get the meat of my message, because that was just a in, kind of an intro. I wanted to give you some signs, right? Now, I want to give you what I call the appetizer to the golden rule, because the golden, there's two golden rules. Everybody say two. That I'm going to give you scripturally, but I'm going to give you the salad, which is still important, right? The appetizer that we need to have in our meal to bring full restoration to wounded relationships in our family. And that is the principle and the law of honor and humility. We must have the law of humility and honor driving our hearts because if we don't have, if we don't understand humility and if we don't understand honor, listen to me, the law of honor, we will never be successful in, in, in healing a broken relationship. Some of you are still angry at the person that hurt you, yet you cry because they're not with you. Because here you are being angry at something that they actually did, but when they're finally there or they're finally here, they're finally ready, you're, 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 you're wanting them to relive all the things they did. Start over. Let's start fresh today. Let's start with a new heart. Listen, we can start afresh today. If you have a family member that, you have, that is, he, that is uh, wounding you, in the past, and now you have opportunity to mend it with you, you must have humility and honor in order for it to make it happen. Let me give you a clue in Philippians. Because my prayer for RCC and for our families is that we'll be a Philippians 2 church. That's what, I, that's what my prayer is. I want RCC to have a culture of Philippians 2. You know what Philippians 2 has a culture of? Putting others higher than themselves. Philippians 2, are you getting something? 
verse 1 through 5 in the NLT says this. And the NLT, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say shaka. Oh, man, come on, get there. <laughs> Philippians 2. There was more shakas than there were more than amens. Come on, somebody. Philippians 2, verse 1 through 5. Are you ready? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort for his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Watch this. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Watch this. Thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest. Hello. Hello. I said hello. Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand what they did to me. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. had it, did it ever occur to you that some of the people that truly love you when they hurt you, that it's because they're also hurting? Do you know that sometimes we replicate things that are in our hearts and, in, and, the, the reason, and the way that it's translated is we hurt people that we love the most. When we are, I never forget, this is worth saying again, years ago, and I, this is not in my notes, but uh, I want to talk about the, the, the principle of humility and honor for a second. Humility and honor to restore relationships. Because I'm telling you, without humility going low, you will always wait for the other person to approach you. Always. And that's not what the Bible says. But years ago, it was about four years ago, I was going through some, some stuff with some leaders and, you know, some, some things in leadership. And I was just getting angry and they weren't respecting me. And I'm like, Bruh. and all of a sudden my friend, Stephen Galoza, he, he, we, we meet every week. But back then he was just really just a laser prophet for my life. And, and he texts me, he goes, hey, is everything okay? <laughs> I don't forget this. He goes, everything okay? I go, everything's fine, bro. And I, and my, I was like, why are you calling me? It's good, bro. I'm good. I heard the bleeding of sheep, not the bleeding, but the bah, bah, the, of sheep over you. I go, I don't know what that means, but I'm good. Thank you. A day or two later, I had this intense disagreement and argument with a couple of my leaders. And when we talked it out, but it was an intense moment. How many don't like those moments? I don't like those moments. It was these intense moments, and we had to talk it out. We had to kind of have a Jesus moment. Okay, come to Jesus moment. And I didn't like it. And I, I was hurt by it. And I felt like I was disrespected. And so I called him back. I go, hey, man, why did you text me that? <laughs> what did you hear? He goes, I heard, I saw sheep biting at your ankles. They were snipping at your ankles. And I go, he goes, do you know what that means, George? I go, no, I don't know what that means. He goes, in the natural, when sheep are nipping at the ankles, it's a sign that they're trying to get the shepherd's attention because they're hurting. And when I heard that, I just started weeping. I remember I was out my, in my front yard in the sidewalk, and I was weeping. And it, he goes, it could be that the reason why they're snipping at you because they're trying to get your attention because maybe they're hurt by something that they feel you're not listening to. Whew. So I humbled myself. And this is the segue to what I was going to say. I had to humble myself as a leader and say, maybe my actions also hurt them. You can never say that your actions possibly didn't hurt somebody. There's a newsflash. You can hurt people too. You're not only the victim. Stop looking at what other people did to you and start looking at what you do to other people. That's a word. That's a word. Here's really quick some signs of the law of the law of honor. Are you ready? I'm just going to read it. Kind of, the law of honor and humility in order for us to get healed. Are you getting something? All right, I'm going to read it off. What we, we will reap whatever we choose to honor or dishonor. The law of honor says if I honor a prophet, I will reap the prophet's reward. If I dishonor a friend, listen, I will not reap the reward. Now watch this. This is good stuff, what I'm about to say. We will receive the gifts and the anointing of those we honor. And we will not receive the gifts and the anointing for those we dishonor. Do you know that the family members and the relationships that we dishonor, whether we don't like it, we cancel the gift of God from them to us because we are reaping dishonor. There's a law. I've seen it in my life. There's some people that have left my life that I lost the gift in their life for me. The gift is not for you. 
the gift that you have is for other people. And so when I walked in honor with many of them and humbled myself and said, if there's anything I did was wrong, forgive me, I received not only their friendship and restoration back, I received the gift that they had that God gives you. So you, you reap what you sow, right? The Philippian 2 model, I'm just going to be really quick, is a culture of honor and humility, okay? Now, having a culture in our family, this is good, means that we have a constant awareness that our actions and our words, hear me now, are affecting the Lord's bride. Listen to me. Your family member that you don't like, if they're a Christian and they love God, though they may be imperfect, that's part of God's bride. That's the fear of the Lord hit me years ago. I was going to talk to somebody and, and that, that hurt me and, and legitimately, and I was going to talk to them, and I was going to let them know how I felt, but it was like with a little streetness to it, <laughs> which is wrong, which is wrong, right? You can't go to them in your street like, yo, what's up, man? You know, I want to tell you, man, that was rude what you did. You know what I'm saying? And, and I love you, man, man you, but that, that you, you need some help. No, that's not how you do it. You don't go for their sake. You, you don't go for your sake. You go for their sake. And when you go for their sake, you'll get that healing. And I remember one time I'm, I'm about to say something I'll never forget. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me. He says, be careful how you talk to them because they're my bride too. You should have a healthy fear of the Lord. The law of humility and honor means that there's some family members that you're not speaking to that are saved, but they're also part of his bride. You got to be careful. That was a good place to say chacho over there. but it's a <laughs> Philippians 2 means we lead. Listen, we lead. We lead from humility and honor. We can't have leaders that lead out of gifting and anointing. We need to lead out of honor. That means we look at you not as people beneath us, that you're part of our family. I may be your pastor, but you have some great gifts that I don't have, and I need your gifts. That means even the people we lead, we need to lead from humility and lead from honor. When you lead your family, lead from honor and from humility. Honor your kids. Honor your wife. Honor your husband. That's right. Honor your husband. Well, you don't know what he did. It doesn't matter. There's no negotiation on this part. Do you know the Bible says, and I'm getting ahead of myself, that a chaste attitude of a godly woman can save an ungodly man? Hello? Pastor George didn't say that. The Bible says that. The humility of a godly woman could turn an ungodly man into a godly man. Stop criticizing him all the time. That's why he's running away. Start speaking destiny into him. You know, I heard someone say, this is, I'm going off topic, but it's still the same topic, that you, why do you see cheerleaders in men's events? Because women were supports, supposed to support the men. It's like you don't see men cheerleaders in men's sports. Think about it. It's women cheering on the men. I'm not, listen, don't, don't get this feminist um, ideology that has to be you. No, no, men have to do the same thing too. I'm going to get that, I'm going to get there. But what I'm saying is, Boy, when, when our spouse cheers us on, man, we could do anything. Like, like the S comes out. You know, Soto Longo. Soto Longo comes out. When we launched the church, when I launched the church and there was no plan B and I didn't know what was going to happen, it, everybody was for me. But the one person I was waiting to, to have that might cheer my back was my wife. Because I'm like, if I don't make it, if I mess up, I have to face her. And we're all going down if I mess up. If I mess up, the whole family's going down. And I waited. I'm like, and, and, and look at all the confirmations. She's like, I still remember. I'm like, but, but the confirmations, right? And all of a sudden when Caruso, when we got that call from Caruso that I still have in my phone, man. Hey, man. Didn't even know Caruso, for those who don't know, he used to be my assistant in the youth ministry. I had not seen him in eight years. All of a sudden, in 2000, late 2016, he goes, hey, man, left me a message from an un unknown number. He said, when are you going to start that church? We've been waiting for you. Go ahead and start that church. Be obedient. I'm like, who's this? When my wife heard that, she goes, this is God. I'm like, 
when my wife said, this is God, I'm like, ah, sit. We got this. My wife is for me. I'm serious. I'm serious. Everybody was cheering me on. The moment my wife said, this is God, babe, this is God, I'm like, I can't lose. We need to be cheerleaders of each other. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's stop being so critical and let's walk in humility. We cannot win family healing with criticalness, humbleness. Listen, watch this. You can't walk in true honor with others without the working of humility. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 33, and NLT. Are you getting something? Look at this. Wow, this is key. Then I'm going to give you the golden rule. This is the, this is the salad, but it's a, it's a meaty salad. I'm going to give you the, the, the flame and yang in just a little bit. All right? In just a moment. Look at, watch this. Proverbs 15, verse 33. Watch this. Read this together with me. NLT is on the screen. Fear of the Lord teaches us wisdom, but humility precedes honor. That means you can't even have honor without humility working in your life. Humility precedes honor. So in order for you to honor your husband, in order for you to honor your, your wife, in order for you to honor your parents, in order for you to honor your children, you must walk, have the working of humility deep down inside of you. And sometimes that working comes through the conflict of the family. Sometimes God works humility in you through the trials. Sometimes God works humility in you by realizing you couldn't do it on your own. Like I said a couple weeks ago, how's that anger working out for you? How's, how's that rebellion working out for you? It's not working good, is it? You may have got, been away from church for six months. How's that working out for you? Humility means you admit that you can be wrong in a relationship and that you see, watch this, here's the key, that you see and notice other people's feelings and validate them. Does it mean that they're right, but you validate their feelings? Oh, you're, it's no big deal, but it's a big deal to me. You see, see the point? See the difference? To you, it may not be a big deal, but stop saying it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Well, maybe to your spouse or maybe to your husband or maybe to your child, it is a big deal. And, and you need to ask them, why is it a big deal to you? When you do that, you'll see things change. Amen? Now watch this. And, and, and when I was a youth, I used to say this all the time. Look at this next slide. Walking in honor and humility can actually heal and mend a wounded or hostile relationship. Now watch this. Watch this now. A, a, a walking in honor and humility. Listen, you still have the right, you still have the, the, the command of the Lord to honor your father and your mother. He didn't say maybe in certain times honor. He goes, no, honor your father and your mother. The only the command with a promise. All right? Even as an adult, as a 50-year-old man, I still honor my mom and dad. I still go there. I still try to honor them. When they can't do something, I make the phone calls for them because I'm trying to honor them because they're a little older. And I said, Mom, it's okay. I got this. I'll make those phone calls for you for my dad. You honor your father and mother. Now, look at the scripture. When I was in a youth ministry, I used to quote this all the time because we had a lot of hotheads in the youth ministry that would get real, real angry a lot, right? So I would say this, a soft answer turns away wrath. I used to say that all the time because it worked on me. When someone is coming at you in your family and they're hot, you can't be hot with them also because fire doesn't extinguish fire. Water extinguishes fire, and water may seem like the less softer one, but it's the more powerful one. Because fire doesn't douse water, water douses fire. But look at what it says in the Passion Translation. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Look at in the Passion Translation, it blew me away. It said, respond gently when you are confronted and you will diffuse the rage of another. Woo! Responding with sharp, cutting words. This is scripture. Will only make it worse. <laughs> Don't you know, this is, I, I never saw this. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest of men? Being angry can ruin the testimony of the wisest of men. That means we could walk in wisdom, but when we act like a fool and we let anger control us, it will destroy your testimony of being wise. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus, release healing. Whew, come on, girl. All right. 
That was a sign of amen there. Respond gently when you are confronted and you will diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest of men? Do you know that, real quick, a story before I get to this meet at the close here? The story of a family member that walked in honor and humility. I'm going to share with you. I'm not going to read it because it's about 15 verses. But you can find it in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 20, I believe. Okay, And there's a story of this guy named Nabal. And he was a fool. Nabal, Nabal. He, he was a fool. Actually, his name is translated fool. Could you imagine that? What up, fool? That's my name. His name was fool. Nabal. Right? And he had this wife named Abigail who was a who was a godly woman. Abigail was very godly. Watch this. At one point, this guy Nabal, uh, uh, he had some shepherds that were in another country. David, while he was running away from Saul, he was still anointed king, and he had a massive army, and the Lord was with him. And he took care of Nabal's shepherds. He took care of the sheep and stuff and protected them from the enemy. So you fast forward, and he's still, David is still running away from Saul, and he needs some help because Nabal was rich. Nabal was rich, right? And so he said, hey, send messengers to Nabal and say, hey, can you guys give me just a little bit of provision for my time? You know what Nabal says? Who is David? That's what he said. He goes, who is David? Who is that chump? I don't know. who I, I, he, he, Isn't he that boy from the house of Jesse? It actually says that. He goes, I'm not going to help him. Tell him I ain't going to help him, right? So the messenger came back to David, right? I'm going somewhere. Look at humility and honor in this. Humility and honor in this, right? He was prideful, right? Harsh words. Apply that to your family. Apply that to your family. He said, I ain't going to give him nothing. Tell him I ain't giving him nothing. It got back to David. He goes, oh, it's on now. He said, get 400. 400. 400 top men. And we're going to not only kill him, we're going to kill the whole city. We're going to kill the women. We're going to kill everybody. I mean, I know that's, not, that's what it says in the Bible. We're going to destroy the whole village. I am so angry by him. I'm going to make him pay. Guess what humility did? Abigail heard that, that her prideful husband, sometimes, ladies, you got to just intercede and be humble for your, for your spouse. She heard what her prideful, angry husband did, and, and he, she knew what was about to happen. She grabbed her things. She ran on a donkey. She, meet, she met David. Listen, the Bible says she humbled herself. Humility on behalf of her husband. She could have been like, he deserves what's coming. He's just, he's, he, you know what? He's reaping what he sows. You better watch that extra muscle up here. That extra muscle that, that is going to destroy your marriage. She humbled herself. Watch this. And she pleaded with David, please, here, and gave him gifts and told him, my, my husband, his name is Nabal. He's a fool. He actually says that in the Bible. He says, that's what his name is. Don't cause harm to my family. He doesn't know what he's doing. Please forgive us. Please forgive us. You know what David said? He goes, blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, surely, if you had not come, that's what it says, I would have destroyed, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I would have destroyed that whole family. But because of your humility, you have spared, you have, listen, you have quenched my anger. In another translation, it says, you have quenched my anger. How much more if we apply that for our spouse and our family and our kids? Leave it to, listen to me. I feel this from the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. One of the great examples of humility and honor is be quick to apologize. When I do something wrong that, that hurts my kids, and I know it, I come to them and I apologize. I'm not too big to say I'm sorry. And we shouldn't be too big either. I'm the man of the house. Humble yourself, Papa. Hum humble yourself. Sit around the table. I remember one time sitting down on the couch and I said, I'm sorry for the way that I said this. And they all were like quiet. I said, Daddy was wrong. I, sh I was angry, and I shouldn't have said it this way. Forgive me. You don't have it all together. Remember, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother, right? I'm going to get that in a couple weeks. But you know what it also says? Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. We have a responsibility to not provoke people to wrath. Don't blame your kids all the time. Maybe you're yelling at them the whole time. Maybe they just need a mother and father to listen to them. Ooh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. Now, here's the meat and potatoes. 
Here's the golden rule, number one. Are you ready? You need to take a snapshot picture of this. The golden rule, number one, okay? Uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the reasons I believe that, that the enemy hates families is because it's the concept of family that's going to destroy Satan in the last days. It's the concept of family. That's why he's attacking the family. Why? Because the Bible says in the last days, the spirit and the bride say come. The spirit and the bride, the bride of Christ, are going to unite together. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, you put it up there, it says, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, chapters 19 and verse 6 through 8, as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife, us, has made herself ready. Shortly after that verse is when God releases his judgment to the Antichrist system and throws the devil into the lake of fire. Shortly after that. But it's the concept of a spiritual family becoming one with God to partner with Jesus to release the, the end time harvest of the church and of the world. That's why the devil hates marriages and families. Why? Because when a family is united, it's a concept of the last days that will destroy him. Glory to God. When sons and daughters and wives are all together proclaiming the name of Jesus in the same house, the devil can't live in that place. Hallelujah. Watch this next slide. I'm going to be quick. We must not be naive in thinking, put that slide up, that a wounded relationship will heal by itself in time. We are to seek to restore relationships to the measure that it depends on us. Everybody say, to the measure that it depends on me. Look at what Romans 12 says. This is where it's going to get really good in that last 10 minutes. Repay, verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Please hear me this. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Watch this. If it is possible, I want you to say this with me, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Well, that, that, that daughter has not talked to me in a while. That son has not talked to me in a while. And they know they disrespected me, and I'm a leader of this house. As much as it depends on you. My cousin, my, you know, I... I they used to be close for that aunt, that uncle. As much as it depends on you, if you're affected by that, that means it depends on you. Live peacefully with all men. I know this is sharp, but we have believed the lie that time will heal everything. Time will harden people's hearts if there's no proaction to heal. As much as it depends on you. Now, the golden rule of biblical instruction if someone sins against you. There's two golden rules. I want the worship team to come up, please. Thank you, Lord. It's quiet because I think you're about to, you're hearing the Holy Spirit. The number one golden rule when someone sins against you in your family. The number one golden rule. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Put that slide up there. The golden rule... For biblical instruction, if someone sins against you. Everybody say, when someone sins against me, this is what I must do. And it's in the scripture of Matthew chapter 18. It's a Matthew 18 principle. When someone in your family, or other words, but we're talking about family, sins against you, has harmed you, this is the golden rule. There's no other greater rule than this. Of what you must do if someone sins against you. Listen to me, please. Because the second golden rule is what you do when you've offended others. So you're not going to escape. So the first golden rule is what do I do biblically when someone sins against me? Whether it's in the workplace, you can apply it there, or especially in my family. Matthew 18 is the number one golden rule if someone sins against you. And it says this. Moreover, put it up there. Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother... That means a person that's, that's in, a, in your family or, in, or saved, right? If they sin against you, this is where Jesus is speaking, okay? Go tell him first his fault between you and him alone. Mm. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. 
But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. In other words, accountability. If he refuses even to hear them, take it to the church. Now watch this. The Lord showed me something. Not to make a fool out of them and not to gossip about them. It's for the sake of restoration. If you've tried alone and if you tried with two or three people and try to restore that and you say, listen, you get in the table and there's two of you there and there's three of you there. And it's like, listen, I just want to talk. You hurt me. I know you probably didn't mean it, but this really wounded me. This really wounded me. That's, that's golden rule number one. That means you have to go to them first alone. And then if they don't hear you, go take a couple people with you. Then it says if they don't hear you then, take it to the church. And let, let the church hear the leadership here, what's going on, and try to intervene. It says if, he, if they don't even relieve that, they said you can wash your hands. You're no, longer, you're no longer accountable to that. You've tried that golden rule. Just let them go and the Lord will do that. Now watch this. This is key. Please hear me. The key to this rule is go to them alone, not to publicize your beef on social media. There's no. There's nothing more cowardly than trying to solve a beef with family or relationship by being passive aggressive in your social media posts by saying, oh, I'm always hurt. I, you just got to move on. And all those people that hurt me, they don't even realize how. Stop being passive aggressive. Stop publicizing your junk on social media. That's not the way you solve. Uh, oh, oh, they're going to they're gonna know that I'm angry by the posts I make. That is such a cowardly way to solve arguments where you're using social media to subliminally say how bad you are and how bad they are. The Bible says go to them alone. Alone. And the Lord's thundered that in my spirit a couple days ago. He said, tell the church, stop being passive aggressive. Woo. That's a word to heal relationship. And it doesn't have to be on social media. You can be passive aggressive by text messages. Well, you know, you know that we all were hurt by some things. Everybody knows what that is, but I ain't going to say. That's passive aggressive. And that's not the way to do it. What you're doing is I hope they hurt, they see how bad they hurt me. You know what the Bible says? The golden rule number one, don't be silent anymore. Silence, when it comes to offense, is a killer because silence will magnify the voice of the enemy. Silence, when it comes to, to difficulty and when it comes to relationships that are hurt, with family members, with church, whatever you want to call it, silence will increase the voice of the enemy in your life. The Bible says, you, if someone sins against you, watch this, you must tell your problem to him alone. Well, I don't know, just a little, just a little softer, just a little softer. Go to them alone. Everybody say alone. Here's the problem. Many of us don't have the guts to do that. We're scared that if we go alone, they're going to snap right back at us. And we're going to get hurt. But there's no way around it. You have to tell them. Can I have a meeting with you? See, you know why? You know why? You have to be the leader to this. There's no shortcut. If there's a fracture in your family, I'm announcing boldly to you that you can never unhear what you're about to hear. You must, as, as much as it belongs to you, the Bible says, concerns you. So if something concerns you, even if it's involving you, not directly, but it's involving you, you have the God-given biblical golden rule to set up a meeting with them privately. Now listen, in humility. In order for you to have this, you have to know who you are. Because there's been times, and I'm not going to share because I'm going to be very general, that I've, that I've met in a, in, a, in a restaurant of some things to reconcile relationships. And the Holy Spirit on the way there said, said to me, don't expect an apology from them. But I want you to humble yourself. I'm like, great. This literally, the, the drive and the meeting was to reconcile, to reconcile. Hey, let's meet. And we met, and on the way there, the Holy Spirit, don't expect an apology from this person. We had not spoken in years. I humbled myself. We talked, a little awkward. And then I addressed the elephant in the room. The elephant was right there. I said, listen, whatever happened a couple years ago, I'm sorry. Maybe I did things that I didn't know that uh, dishonored you, and I'm sorry. 
forgive me. Please forgive me. I, I, I was hurting back then. And we reconciled. But that day I didn't get an apology. But it was okay. I'm not going to get into the conversation of what happened, but I humble myself and I go, I am not the result of this meeting. If you're not careful, you will take on the identity of, of, of a certain meeting. I'm not the result of this. It doesn't matter if I get it. Yes, was I hurt too? Yes. Was I expecting, would I need an apology? Yes. Yes, I did. But I was so free because I had already forgiven them in my heart. So by the time I got there, I said, I just want to let you know, I'm so glad we're talking again. And since then, we've had three, four meetings, and we're laughing, and they admitted that they were wrong too. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. But it took intentionality and it took some awkwardness for me to get to that place of healing. You got to confront your awkwardness if you want healing. You have two choices. Stay running, stay afraid, stay scared, stay awkward, avoid confrontation, and you'll never get healed. Never. Or take that risk. Take, make that phone call. Say, can we meet? And listen, humble yourself. Don't worry about what they say. If they say, well, listen, listen. If they say, well, it's about time you came to your senses, shh. Remember, Proverbs 15, verse 1. You know who you are. You know who your identity is. Don't let that dictate who you are. I knew it. See, I came to apologize to you, and now you're saying to me that it's all my fault. I guarantee you, God is going to work on your behalf. Watch this now. Ready? That's golden rule number one, and I'm closing with this. Golden rule number two. Put it up there. If someone is offended by you. Golden rule number one is what you do when someone sins against you. I, and I just told you what you need to do. Go to them alone. Everybody say, go to them alone. Some of you have to go to them alone. I feel that in my, in my heart. You haven't done it yet, but you need to. Number two. What to do when you sin against others? Me? Me? Yes, you. When you, without knowing it or even knowing it, when you've offended someone and you know that they're offended by you, you know that they're hurt by you because you said some sharp words. What does the Bible say when you offend someone or when you know? Everybody say no. Sometimes you don't know. But when you know that there's been a breach, do you stay silent and say, well, that's just, their, that's just them. Look what the Bible says in Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Put it up there. Verse 23 and verse 24. Here's golden rule number two. When you know you offended someone or you know you hurt someone. See, here's a newsflash. You could hurt people too. Yes, I know you're hurt, but have you examined that maybe your distance has called hurt, hurt to them? Hello? That your distance, because you're hurt, has caused a reverse effect of them not wanting to be with you. So now you're two opposites because none of you want to initiate. And now I'm not getting a lot of amens on this because this is a little sharp today. Therefore, Jesus said, if I say these are Jesus' words, if you bring your gift of worship, of service, of preaching to the Lord, to the altar and there remember that your brother, watch this, has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar. But listen, go your way first. First. Whew, I feel the Lord. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Golden rule number two, when we know that we've offended or sinned against somebody, the Bible says, I don't even want your worship yet. I know that sounds really almost blasphemous. How dare Pastor George say that? No, no, I love you. I love you, God's saying. But don't offer your gift right now. Don't offer your gift of worship. Don't offer your gift of preaching without you first, first seeking to reconcile and why that. When I, there's, when, when I know I've offended somebody, and I hurt somebody, maybe intentionally, I feel this little sword in me. There's like a, there's like a stab in me. I never forget years ago, Tito's not here, so I can, I can say it. When he was in the youth, he was young in the youth ministry. I'll never forget this. He was young, and he was taken over. It was like 2010, something like that. And he was a brand new worship leader. Anthony, I don't know if you remember this. 
but the, the place was packed, youth was packed, right? And he was brand new worship leader. Man, I, I was just a sergeant. I was just, I needed some healing back then. <laughs> so I was doing the altar call, and he was so nervous. He was like, Dito, if you see this, I love you. It's just part of the testimony. He's, he's away. So I went, I, so he, he did a certain song that I didn't like at altar call. So I was already wounded by several worship leaders. So I had a wound that I didn't know. And that wound was from other worship leaders. So I already had two strikes unknowingly against him. Do you know that if a pastor wounded you, I already have two strikes against me. I have very little grace in your eyes if a previous pastor hurts you. That's why you got to get healed. Because then it's not fair for me. And so he was doing something, and I go, change the song. I lip-synced it. I go, change the song. No, no, no. Right? And then, and then he didn't understand my lip-sync. So he goes, and I thought he was saying, no, I ain't going to do it. It was at that moment. I remember I, remember I, I put my microphone down, and I said, I said, I said, I changed the song. He, and he goes, he turned wider than white. I kept ministering at the altar, and immediately... There was a sword. And the Lord says, I'm not happy with what you did. So I'm laying hands on people going like this. Because I knew I hurt him. And sure enough, one in the morning, I got a text message. Hey, we need to talk. I go, no, I was going to reach out to you. I was wrong. So we met the next day at Taco Bell. I still remember and you know what I did? Watch this, watch this, watch this. this is, I'm closing. I left my preaching gift at the altar that day. The very next day, I called because I felt the sting. I hurt somebody. My actions hurt somebody. I knew it. I knew it. My intensity was a little more than what it should be, and I hurt him. And I looked at him, and I said, I apologize to you. Apologize to you, Jessica, and Joanne actually was there. And I never forget what they said. They said, you know, we love you, but you can't keep doing this. There's nothing worse than when you know that you hurt someone that you love. There's a sword that should go in your heart when your actions hurt other people. It should never be, well, they deserve it. Well, they're immature. Then that means your spirit has become dull. And we reconciled, and I said, I will never do that again. And I never did. I said, it was so sharp that it changed my life. I reconciled with them. I said, forgive me. This is all I've ever known. From now on, let's have some sort of cue. So they would tell me this, would tell me that, whatever. When I wanted to change a song, I would do some sort of thing, right? And then it got tested years later when I was preaching at OHOP, and there was a lady that just kind of just went, ah, and I was very calm, right? Because I knew that her boys were sitting, adult boys were sitting in the congregation, and I'm not going to make a fool out of this lady that was rambunctious. So I said, everybody, let's just stand up and worship. I diffused the whole thing. You know, everybody started worshiping. They came up. I gave the, the lady the mic. She calmed down. She gave her testimony. We came worshiping, right? At the end of the service, I'll never forget, they said, PG, I'm so impressed by how you handled that. I said, that's a sign of a healed man. Because I used to, the old PG would have been like, get that person out of here. What's going on with that? Jessica, stop that. I had compassion. Because I knew I didn't want to repeat a uh, spurt of anger on the name of my calling and hurt people in public. I vowed that I would never do that again. I vowed I would never hurt people like that again. I don't care if the service is going really bad. I'm just going to endure the badness. Why? Because I want to be an instrument of healing. And God wants you to be an instrument of healing too. Stand up. Stand up. I want you to think of these two golden rules right now. And then we're going to worship. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think of these golden rules. Come on. Golden rule number one. If someone sins against you, has someone sinned against you that you have not come to them privately? Do they even know that they sinned against you? The Lord wants to tell you today. He wants you to go to them privately. Make an appointment. That's what the Lord is saying. Golden rule number one. He said, 
Go to them privately. Don't post it on Facebook. Don't text message a mass group text and family. Listen, if they say no, if you try and they say no, then you've done your job. If they say no, if you attempted to, and you try it with two or three people and they still refuse, you've done your job. But if you stay silent, the Lord wants you to know that today you have the ability to reconcile relationships. Go to them alone. Everybody say alone. Everybody say alone. Number two, if you know that you've offended someone or if you've hurt someone, the Bible says leave your gift at the altar today and go first reconcile with them and then give your gift again to the Lord. So right now, let's lift up our hands right now. Come on, let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord speak to you. Lord, what is it? I want to be ministers of reconciliation. The time is now. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.